Hear the word of the Lord from Luke 10, 38 to 42. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. This is the word of the Lord. Maybe the shortest scripture reading we've ever had. <laughs> I was just talking to, was it, who was I talking, Wade maybe, about when we uh, went through the life of Joseph a couple summers ago and we had 20-minute scripture readings. It was, they were long in, in the end of Genesis. A um, couple things before we jump in. The first is that this is week five in our six-week series on listening on, called Hear My Voice. Um, I encourage you, if you haven't, to listen to all of these sermons together. They really will make the most sense together in order, but also just together holistically. There's a little kind of, we're hitting a piece of each part of the puzzle of this. Um, and they all stand alone, but they also make the most sense together. So if you haven't listened to them, I encourage you to do that. Um, you can get them on our website or on our podcast. Um, and then the other thing I just wanted to mention, you'll, you'll hear this more and more, uh, but Lent is starting soon. February 14th is not just Valentine's Day, it's also Ash Wednesday. So this year we will be giving ashes in the shape of a heart instead of, of a cross. Um, that's getting food, sorry. <laughs> All right, that's a joke. Um, but yeah, Ash Wednesday service on the 14th, and then we'll go into Lent. And we're going to be putting out a lot more information over the next couple of weeks about that. We want to practice Lent uh, together, shared some pra sharing some practices, and we're going to be focusing on the discipline of solitude during this Lent season. All right. So if you'll close your eyes as we enter this time of listening to God's word, let's pause, quiet our hearts and our minds. Take a few deep breaths. Focus your scattered senses upon the presence of God here with us. Invite the Lord to speak to your heart and mind with these familiar words from Psalm 119. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Spirit of God, we pray for your illuminating lamp and light on our path this morning. And we pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. So one of the f common soundtracks of our household is from Slugs and Bugs. You guys know about Slugs and Bugs? 
It's by an artist, his name is Randall Goodgame. And these Slugs and Bugs albums go from Bible songs to classics like Happy Birthday, all the way over to crazy, silly stuff. And recently we discovered one we hadn't heard before, a little group of silly songs. And there's one song which is entitled Pants. And it is about the importance that everyone wears pants. But the song is sung by two of the main characters of Slugs and Bugs, which is Doug the Slug and Sparky the Lightning Bug. And at the beginning of this song, at the beginning of the track, it starts out with this, uh, there's a little humming going on, and then there's this little conversation between Doug and Sparky that goes like this. Doug says, hey, Sparky. Sparky says, yeah, Doug? Do you ever sit outside at night and look up at the stars hurtling through space and wonder what it all means? To which Sparky gives one of my favorite responses. He says, huh, not usually. And Doug says, but how do we know? How can a slug or a lightning bug know what's really important in life? To which Sparky says, honestly, Doug, that sounds like a question for Mr. Randall. In other words, maybe ask the humans. The humans ought to know what's really important in life. And yet, I'm a human, and you're a human, and I think we struggle to answer this question about what's most important in life. And I'm not really talking about the big existential questions about why are we here or sort of the hypothetical priorities lists that you made in eighth grade about God, others, and myself, you know. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about in the course of your daily life, the constant choices that you make and the constant struggle to know at any given moment what is most important. For instance, in preparing this sermon, I filled my whiteboard three times with ideas and observations. And by the end of the week, I still had no idea what was most important of all that had filled my whiteboard. I got an Amazon gift card recently. Which is the most important book to buy with that gift card? It's a very, very hard choice. What is the next show you should watch on Netflix? We have started and abandoned so many shows because we don't know what's most important. And we can't avoid these questions. You cannot avoid today what is most important now, what is best now. And to be fully transparent with you, clarity on that and conviction about that in my own life is often elusive. It's a struggle for me to know right now what is the most important. I go back and forth on what point I should make in a sermon many times throughout the week. I order all the books, even though it costs me way too much money. When all of my children call my name at the same time, and I don't know which one to answer first, I just send them away. <laughs> Tell them to ask their mother. I'm, and I feel pulled in a million different directions. This is important, this is important, that's important, and I'm just never quite sure which one is right. I don't know if this rings true with your own experience of living in this world, of being a human person. And I have many days that I get to the end of the day and I feel confused, unfulfilled, frustrated, sometimes angry. And you may be sitting here, and I suspect that at least some of you are thinking, this is not a spiritual problem, Josh. You need to, get, you need to go to a productivity class. You need to get a life coach. You, you, need, to, you need to figure this out. But that's just not real. Jesus made us as holistic people, body, soul, and spirit, emotional, physical, mental. We're holistic beings. 
and the ordinary, mundane choices that you make every single day matter so deeply for your spiritual life. And in the story we have today is just an ordinary day in the life of Jesus. It's an ordinary day. There's nothing exceptional or out of the ordinary in this story. There's no miracle here. It's just mundane things, hosting, friends, conversation, meal preparation, a little bit of sibling rivalry, the most ordinary things in the whole world. And yet in this ordinary moment, Jesus offers us an extraordinary mercy. And I want you to see it. It speaks directly into your experience, into my experience of needing to hear God's voice in order to understand on any given moment what's most important. And so today I want you to see that in this story, Jesus is offering to us an experience of wholeness in our daily lives. And what does that look like? So I want to walk slowly through this story. Again, it's only four verses, five verses. So I want to read it again. And I want you to I know that many of you have heard this story before. If you are a female, you've probably been beat over the head with this story in every Bible study you've ever done. I don't know why this story is only taught in those contexts. It's a super important story. I want to invite you to imagine it with fresh eyes as you hear it again. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed her into his house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went to him, and she said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me alone to serve? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. Notice the start of the story. They went on their way. Jesus entered a village. He went into a house, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. This is the most normal, boring, ordinary day. This is real people, real lives, real house. A specific human named Martha welcomed him into her house. You just do it. Just bear with me and close your eyes for a second. You hate hate it when pastors do this. Imagine your house this morning. Just imagine it and you call it up in your mind's eye. Your own house, your own apartment, just as you left it. Now go into the kitchen, wherever it is that you eat, wherever you sit normally to eat. I want you to sit there, and I want you to look around the room. What's on the table? What does it smell like in your kitchen right now? Is there mail on the table? What's on the floor? I can't even begin to tell you what's on the floor in my kitchen. We vacuum like four times a day, and it's still really dirty. Now you're sitting there, and imagine that you're going to host a group. I'm going to tell you right now you're going to host a group of 15 people for lunch. How does this make you feel? (laughs) What are you thinking about all of a sudden? What are you focused on? What tasks come into your head? What food will you serve? What do you need to clean? What is dusty? How many bags of ice do you need? All right, come back here. Just, I wanted you to do that brief exercise just to remember that this is a real story with real people in a real place, with real needs, real things going on, real food that needs to be eaten and prepared. 
This is the context of this story. This is the context into which Jesus comes and into which Martha and Mary are existing. It's a real house with real needs. It's a beautiful moment of welcome. This is a hospitality word. Martha welcomed him in. In fact, next year, 2025, it's a long way away, our theme for the year is going to be hospitality, welcoming. It's a big theme in the Bible. I want you to consider your daily life, where you go, where have you been, who did you see, who did you talk to. These are, this is the real context into which Jesus comes to speak to you. It's the real things in which you exist. Verse 39, and Martha had a sister called Mary. Instantly, the story gets more interesting. Okay, I have two sisters. Gabrielle is the older one. Emily's the younger one. I have one brother, Jeremy. Enough siblings to know that sibling relationships are complicated and confusing. I love both my sisters. I think they love me, I hope. But they're complicated. And I don't want you to miss that this little sentence, she had a sister named Mary, is, brings in a whole host of complicating relational factors into Martha's house and into her life. This is a real-life relationship. They're trying to serve food. And what is Mary doing, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching? Just like Martha, Mary is a real human, real needs. She sees Jesus come into her house, and she sits and listens. This word in Greek, listen and hear, is one, it's the same word in Greek. She's sitting and she's paying attention to what Jesus is saying. And interestingly, in this text, the word teaching here is the Greek word logos, which is the same word from John chapter 1, in, beginning, in the beginning was the word. There's other words for kind of teaching content. Something interesting here about what Mary's doing. She's literally sitting and listening. That's all the commentators agree. She's literally sitting around the table listening to Jesus speak. But there's something deeper here about what Mary's doing. She's focusing and fixing her attention on Jesus. I think she understands everything we've been talking about in the last five weeks, that it is by the very words of God that we have life, that the chaos of our lives is ordered. And she understands that, and so she sits and she listens. Not like Doug the slug, she knows what, what's important. And she's there sitting and listening. There's something profound here about what Mary is doing. But I don't want to get hung up there. I want to move forward. Verse 40, but Martha was distracted with much serving. I don't know if you've ever hosted a group in your house, but you should understand this sentence, right? I have this story from when I was a kid. We'd always have family Thanksgiving dinner on Thursday with, with my immediate family and maybe some friends. And on Friday, my dad's side of the family would come over for lunch or late lunch or early dinner or late dinner. We didn't know. They were coming. About 15 of them were coming for dinner. And all day, I was enslaved in my own house over a holiday preparing for whenever my aunt and her family would arrive. And I remember for many years thinking, this is my least favorite day of the whole year. I love Thanksgiving so much. I loved Thursday. I hated Friday. Why? Because I was distracted with much serving. There's so much to do when people are coming into your house. And this is what happens to Martha here. This word distracted means kind of dragged apart. You ever felt this with your own life? Like things are going on and you feel like you have to do this and you have to do this and you begin to be dragged apart, move from here to here. Martha is experiencing what it is like to be a normal human being in the world, to have things to do, people to serve, 
Hey, Martha's not a bad person. She's welcomed Jesus into her house. And yet the stress and the strain of what she's doing, the realities of her day today are stretching her thin. She's feeling pulled apart, distracted, turned around. And if I'm honest, and I think if you're honest, this is a lot of your days. We are distracted. A day in the life of Josh is a distracted day. I'm distracted with much text messaging. I'm distracted with much plans. I'm distracted with much sermon writing. My time management has never been a strength, I could say. I get to the end of a lot of days, and you have that like end of days, end of day blues, and you're like, what did I do today? What got done? I was distracted all day. We experience decision fatigue. Some, some studies suggest that humans make 35,000 remotely conscious choices every day. And there's always competing concerns. Do I play this game with my kid or do I take this old fridge to the dump like I did yesterday? Do I call my sister or do I prepare this sermon? Do I read this book or do I pay the bills? And I'm distracted and fractured. I'm not sure what to do, which way to go. I'm overwhelmed. I'm pulled apart. I can tell you both Kristen and I, having four boys, we We feel pulled apart at the end of a lot of days. There's so much busy work. I'm overwhelmed and overburdened and overextended, spread thin. I'm lacking clarity and conviction about what's important in like big ways and in lots of tiny small ways. Why is this? There's one little key word in this story that I want to draw your attention to. It occurs twice in English in two different forms, but Martha was distracted with much serving. Later on, Jesus says, you are anxious and troubled about many things. It's the same word. You see, the problem was not that Martha was serving instead of sitting. That's not the problem. The problem was manyness and muchness. Manyness and muchness. She's serving Jesus. She's doing a good thing, but her attention is divided by the manyness and the muchness of the things around her. There's so many things to do, so many things to see, so many places to go, so many people to meet, so many things to know, so many things to fix, experience, provide. There's so much experience I want to have. There's so much I want to understand, so much I want to respond to, so much I want to say. And this muchness and manyness produces a profound anxiety in ourselves and in other people. There's this, I found this little flywheel. Busy work leads to reactive work, leads to procrastination, leads to burnout, and all of the things, and you're like, wait, 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 wait. Josh is back to his productivity thing. But look at the words on this page. They're coming directly from the text. Muchness, anxiety, distraction. They're right there in the text. This has everything to do with following Jesus. Martha was distracted with much serving. You were anxious and troubled about many things. Our world that we live in is a much and many world. Is it not? Richard Foster says, In contemporary society, our adversary, he's talking about the devil, our adversary majors in three things, noise, hurry, and crowds. If he can keep us engaged in the muchness and manyness, he will rest satisfied. We live in a mad 
crazy world. Technology makes it so much worse. Increased opportunities for productivity and getting things done, things to know, things to see, shows to watch. There's so many possibilities. There's a million decisions to make. There's more, 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 much, 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 many, many, many. Consume, consume, control, experience. This is the whole idea of social media, is you can extend your network to be in contact with many people. And the more things we have, the more muchness and manyness consumes our lives, the less clarity we have about what's important. And everything becomes urgent, and everything becomes important, and it results in this deep, sustained anxiety in our bones over what's next, what's right. We're trying to perform, accomplish, get somewhere, do something. We're a many and much people, and it's killing us. We're distracted, and we're anxious, and we're troubled. And it seeps into our relationships, right? You see this in the story. Martha goes to Jesus, and she says, Lord, don't you care? that my sister has left me alone to serve, tell her to help me. Is it any wonder that Martha's doing this? She's overwhelmed and overburdened and stretched thin. She wants help. There's an on ongoing joke in my family. We'd get home from vacation, and my sister Emily would make some excuse she needed to do this or do that, and then she would go off, and all of us would unload the car, and you find my sister in a corner reading a book. You know the feeling. You're like, this isn't fair. Make her get up and help me. We know this feeling. This is exactly what Martha's feeling. It's a very normal feeling. I have all these things to do. I have dinner to make and people to serve. Real problems that need to be fixed. She's overwhelmed with the many and muchness of her situation. And it is into this many and muchness that Jesus speaks this incredible and merciful sentence. But the Lord answered her. Martha, Martha. The double name is indicative of compassion and intimacy. Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. It's so gentle. It's so compassionate. This is not a condemnation. It's an invitation. It's an invitation to set aside the muchness and manyness and focus on one thing at a time. There's only one thing Necessary, one thing needed. This is not about sitting versus serving. This is about understanding that one thing is necessary at a time. Jesus is inviting us to be fully present where we are, to understand and recognize that in this moment, there's only one thing necessary. Mary, she understood in this moment what was necessary for her. And the invitation is to discern what is most important for this moment and to give ourselves to it. You know, so much of our anxiety and trouble, this verse says, is unnecessary. If, only, if right now one thing is necessary, then all of these other things, the many things, the much things, they are unnecessary, and so is the trouble and anxiety that goes with them. Do you see that here? It's the same word Jesus uses. Therefore, I tell you, Luke 12, 22, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. The many and much things that we're overextended and anxious about, it's unnecessary. This is such good news from Jesus. 
invitation to set aside the many and the much and focus on the one. Can you hear your own name in this? Say, Josh, you're anxious and troubled about many things, but only one thing is necessary. Put it off. Know what is needed, and then all other things can be released, along with the anxiety and trouble that comes with them. It's an invitation to focus on one thing at a time. I like try to tell my kids this. You're saying six things to me right now. Let's focus on one thing at a time. People ask me how I'm doing. I, I love to repeat, mostly for myself, one day at a time. Today is the day I'm on. That's how it's going. How's it going right now? It's whatever is right here. This is what's going on. It's also an invitation to, to presence, to wherever you be, to be all there, to be fully engaged, whether that's a person or a task or a job. I'm not convinced that Jesus was telling Martha she should have sat and listened with Mary. I'm not convinced of that. I think he's saying, you don't need to be anxious about what's going on. Know what you're called to be and do in this moment and be all there. It's an invitation to rest, to give up our attempts to do all the things and be all the things and see all the things and read all the things, to give it up, let it go, to sit and rest. And most of all, this is an invitation to wholeness, which is the opposite of distraction, being pulled apart, is to be whole, to understand that there's cohesion and wholeness in the world that God is making and that Jesus holds all things together by the word of his power. Jesus then says, Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. It's an invitation for us to join Mary in choosing the good portion. It's an interesting little uh, wordplay here because this word portion can refer to food and eating. So Mary has chosen the good portion. It's an interesting little wordplay. But I don't think Jesus is saying you should listen to me and not make dinner. He's saying whatever is needed for right now, be fully present in it and do it without anxiety. That's what I've called you to do. Mary, fully committed to one thing. Martha, distracted, troubled, anxious about many and much. Wholly committed to what is good. So what does this mean for you and for me? It does not mean, I need you to hear this, that we should choose sitting over serving. That's the wrong conclusion from this text. Rather, what it means is that for each of us, from the minute you get up to the minute you go to bed, there's an opportunity for you to be discerning the good portion and committing yourself to it. And what that requires, and here's our big connection to this whole series, what that requires is an ongoing awareness of the leading of the Spirit and the voice of God in your life, to know what the good portion is for you right now. It's an ongoing dynamic conversation with Jesus about what is right. This isn't super spiritual. When we're talking about the voice of God, we're not talking about super spiritual like words coming down from heaven. We're talking about this calm, quiet voice of the Holy Spirit and of Jesus reminding you that in any one moment, one thing is necessary and inviting you to do it with your whole heart. It's this amazing text in Isaiah about the new kingdom of God. For a people shall dwell in Zion, the city of God. You shall weep no more. He will surely be gracious to you at the sound of your cry. As soon as he hears it, he will answer you. And though the Lord give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, yet your teacher will not hide himself anymore. But your eyes 
shall see your teacher, and your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it, when you turn to the right or you turn to the left. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Follow the logic. Jesus is speaking. We are called to listen, to hear, to follow, and to be safe with his leading into the good portion. This is a promise about what Jesus is doing and saying to us. We are anxious and troubled about so many things, but one thing is necessary. And in an amazing multi-layered perspective on this passage, the one thing necessary is listening to the voice of Jesus. It's incredible. So I want to invite you to a couple things, a couple actions. It's for you, Jeremy Mancini. What am I supposed to do with this? I want you to ask as often as possible, what is the one thing needed in this moment? What is the good portion today? It's there for the taking. We just need to ask. We can do this in a couple of steps. First, we have to slow down. We have to identify where you struggle with the much and the many. Where are you lost in the much and the many in your own life? Where do you feel it? What, what is causing you anxiety? What is distracting you? Where do you feel troubled? These are indications of the much and many sickness in your heart. Where do you feel that? Where do you feel overwhelmed? Where are you overrun by the immediate and the urgent? Where do you find yourself doing things that don't matter? Those are all slowing down and paying attention and then attending to those. What is going on inside of your heart? What is going on in your life around you? What is going on with the people that are right in front of you? Slowing down, attending to what's going on, and then discerning, taking time to listen. What is best today? What is Jesus saying now? What is today's good portion? Or as a question that I've been asking myself recently, what does love require of me in this moment? Where is Jesus speaking? Don't you imagine what life would be like walking each moment of each day, asking these questions and listening and hearing the person of God respond to you? Do you know that that's what we were made for? Do you know that's how this is supposed to work? Do you know that's possible? My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. How is a slug or a lightning bug or a human supposed to know what's important in life? And the answer is deceptively simple. Ask Jesus. I, I kid you not, that's the answer. Ask Jesus, what is the good portion for me today? I think if you ask him that and you listen, you might be surprised what you hear from him. Jesus is inviting you to wholeness. Are you listening? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we want to listen to you who are calling us. Not just all of us together, but each of us as individuals. Being called by your voice as your sheep to respond. We want your light to lead our path. 
and your lamp to guide us. We want to hear your voice behind us saying, turn this way, turn that way. May we recognize and hear and respond that we may find life. We pray it in the name of Christ. Amen.